What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Draft Season Never Ends, the Aftermath NFL Draft Podcast. I am Chris McGlynn. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. We are just six days away from the NFL Draft, and I really cannot wait. I'm starting to get kind of that excitement that comes when you're really getting close to a big event like this. The anticipation is, is kind of killing me, and I've seen a lot this week, and I wanted to start off the show talking about this because, to me, it is one of those things where usually at this point we have a pretty good sense right like last year we, we kind of knew what most of the top 10 was going to look like there was a couple of surprises here or there but like you you had a pretty good feeling right that Trevor Lawrence was going number one Zach Wilson was going number two Trey Lance was probably going to go three we saw Kyle Pitts go four uh the the Jamar Chase I guess was a bit of a surprise at five a lot of people thought it might be Panay Sewell but obviously the connection there but but still right like you, you had a pretty good sense this year's draft, we have no idea. There's genuinely no consensus right now as to where we're supposed to be. The The main theory is that Aiden Hutchinson will go number one overall, but obviously we've seen a lot of smoke about Trevon Walker recently. He was an edge rusher at Georgia. He's been flying up draft boards at a great combine. Teams view him, I guess, as a uh, really high-potential edge rusher with all those physical traits he brings to the table. So... I mean, there's that aspect of it. Uh, you know, I've still seen some people talking about Evan Neal, which is, uh, if you've listened to this podcast, the way I think the Jaguars should go. So there's a lot right now that I think is still up in the air about this draft, which is really amazing. And I think kind of makes this one of the most exciting drafts. So the drafts that I'm anticipating the most, because this is, I have no idea what to expect. I genuinely do not. I mean, I've watched and followed the draft for many, many years now, and... At this point, we know what's going to happen, right? You know who the number one pick is going to be. You know what's going to go on. We have no clue. We have genuinely no idea, which is super fun. And I think it's going to make for a really entertaining draft on Thursday. And then, of course, into Friday and Saturday as well. Uh, make sure you stick around with the end of this episode. Uh, just putting it out today, the NFL Draft or the Aftermath NFL Draft Contest is now live. You can submit your entry to that. I know I mentioned it on last week's episode. It's now officially out there, so make sure you don't miss out on an opportunity to put that in. I'll explain the details of that at the end of the episode, so make sure you stick around for that. But today, in, I want to get into our quarterback rankings, and it's one of those things where I think it's everybody can kind of find a different approach to this at this point. Uh, people have started to mostly settle on who the consensus ratings are here, but there's still a lot of room, I think, for interpretation because none of these quarterbacks are great. There's there's holes with every single prospect, so I'm going to talk about kind of my assessment for each of these guys, where I rank them, how I think they stack up. I'll go through my top seven quarterbacks today and uh, just kind of give a quick breakdown on each one of them, and we'll see. You know, the thing is, we won't know for four or five years what to really make of this. You know, I, this is where I think. These guys, should, the order I should say, these guys should get drafted in, uh, and I'll probably go with a little bit of projection as well as to where I think they should go versus where I think they will go, because those are two very different things this year, for sure. So let's start. My number one quarterback is Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty. He's an Auburn transfer, and I, I really think he's a very fun, toolsy prospect. You put on the film, you see the flash play. If you see the flash plays, he's very capable of running away from defenders. He's got really good mobility, uh, gets outside the pocket, makes a ton of plays, strong arm, good accuracy, throwing to the outside hashes, 
uh, which is important. You're going to see him make a lot of NFL-level throws if you put on the film. The drawbacks, of course, are the fact that, and this is my biggest one, he has zero pocket awareness. This man has no idea when to get rid of the football. He took 52 sacks. Let me say that again. 52 sacks this season. That's more than Joe Burrow took in the regular season, and Joe Burrow played 17 games. Malik Willis played 13 games. That's insane. And you talk about how bad of an offensive line he might have had in front of him. You put on the film, a lot of those sacks are his fault because he refuses to throw the ball away. He tries to do too much with it. He stands there. He continues to look downfield. He rolls out or he tries to beat guys with his legs. And he thinks he can out-athlete them a lot of the times. And it works a good chunk of the time. But it's not going to work like that at the NFL level because, oh, guess what? These guys are the best of the best. These are elite athletes. You're not going to be able to just outrun them. So I think there's going to be a really tough adjustment period for Malik Willis, especially from that standpoint. He needs to learn when to get rid of the ball. He needs to work on that internal clock. He needs to learn how to just like got to get you know find the read and and just learn when to move on, when to give up on a play instead of putting your team in a second and eighteen situation. Live for second and ten. And that's one of the biggest things I think young quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks who are mobile and athletic, have to adjust to at the NFL level. That's going to be his biggest thing for me. There is definitely some accuracy concerns as well. He's not always on target, but it's pretty consistent. And you like the throwing motion. There's a lot there that you really like to see. And I, I think he's going to be the best quarterback from this class. He's definitely not the most pro-ready that's probably my next guy on the list, so I'll get to him in just a second. But yeah, there's there's some major concerns with his game, which again is why we're all so down on this quarterback class. This is the number one guy in this class, and we're talking about some pretty serious concerns in his game that hopefully can get ironed out. And you bet on the physical tools, you bet on the upside, you bet on the athleticism, which you need in the modern NFL quarterback, that ability to get outside the pocket and make plays with your legs and throwing on the run. So there's a lot there that checks the boxes for fitting the modern mold of an NFL quarterback, but there's going to be some growing pains and there's going to be some stuff that he has to work on at the next level before he's really ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So I mentioned the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft class, and that's my number two quarterback. That's Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. This guy, he's a very, very polished prospect at this point. He's 24 years old, who will turn 24 years old this June, making him one of the older prospects that we've seen come out at really any position in many years. And a big part of that, of course, is COVID-19, the fact that he was able to go take that extra year of eligibility, played for five years at Pittsburgh, and really made just this quantum leap this past year in terms of his production and just level of play overall. He threw for over 40 touchdowns this past year, which was more than he had thrown in his like his college career prior to that. And, and Pickett was a starter for several years. He dealt with some injuries and missed some time, but this wasn't like, a, oh, this guy only played a couple of games. Like He had a number of games under his belt before he made it to the pros. So this is probably like you go back to Bill Parcells drafting quarterbacks in the late 90s, early 2000s, he'd probably love a guy like Kenny Pickett, right? Multi-year starter, he checks a lot of those boxes. From that perspective, he's a great leader on and off the field, not had any issues and anything like that. All the reports have been that he's interviewed very well. So I think there's a ton that you like about Pickett, but 
He's got average arm strength, and he's got incredibly small hands. He measured into the combine at eight and a half inches. I think his pro day, it was closer to eight and three quarters or eight and five eighths. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head. A little bit bigger than he had measured in at the combine. That being said, that would still make him the quarterback with the smallest hands in the NFL as soon as he is drafted. And we've seen players with smaller hands that, that usually it's the nine inch threshold. Um, and I know that Joe Burrow has made fun of this before, of course, right? We saw when he measured in a little bit smaller than what people were hoping for. He said, oh, I guess I have small hands. I guess I should retire from football because clearly I can't do this anymore. Well, as it turns out, Joe Burrow is doing just fine. He led the Bengals to a Super Bowl in just his first full season as the starter, second season in the NFL. So obviously, you know, this is not the be all end all, but there are concerns that come with that. Uh, is he going to be able to grip the ball? in bad weather games. I know he played at Pittsburgh, but once you get into December and January playing in the NFL, it's not the nicest weather. You need to be able to make those tough throws. And when you have bigger hands, it makes it easier to grip the, the football, get that spiral. It's something you really need in those rough weather conditions. The other piece of it too is fumbles are usually associated with that. Players not being able to hold onto the ball when they're hit in the pocket. Now, Let's talk about the upside with Pickett because I, I'm, there's a lot that we could talk about that's negative, but he's got a, a really good skill set here. He's mobile enough. He's actually a better athlete than I think people give him credit for. We saw him use his legs on many occasions to escape the pocket and make throws down the field or take off and scramble and pick up yardage. So there's definitely that scramble kind of playmaking ability to his game that I think lends itself well to the modern NFL. And I think we're going to see somebody in time that will develop a pretty good sense of just these timing routes. He seems to have a good understanding of just like how to be in rhythm and where to go with the football. Uh, he did that really well within Mark Whipple's offense this past year at Pittsburgh. So yes, there is going to need to be, I think, a couple of adjustments in his game just as he goes a little bit. And I think there's going to be some limitations, unfortunately, to what you can do with him. Because like I said, he's got an average arm. He's got the smaller hands. But I think if he's put in the right system and you kind of work around those limitations, you can win with Kenny Pickett. But it's going to be a situation more like where the, you know, Baltimore Ravens won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson. You can win with this guy. I don't know that you're going to always win because of this guy. Will he win you a couple of games? Probably, yeah. Well, is he going to be able to enough to get you through a season in the NFL, potentially lead you to a Super Bowl championship? If you're just banking on him to be this elite-level quarterback— I'm, I don't know about that one. I'm a little more skeptical on that front. I think he could be a solid-level NFL starter— I don't really know that he has much more potential to tap into than that. So that's my concern with Pickett. I could see him being more of a second round pick. He'll he'll go in the first. There's no question about that. I mean, he could go as early as I think number six to the Carolina Panthers when they come up because they need a quarterback there. But in truth, I don't think he's that type of player. I have him ranked outside my top 32. I actually have him ranked in the early 30s there. So I, I think if he goes maybe late first round, early second round, I think that's a pretty good spot for him. Uh, you know, he's going to need, he's somebody that the, the benefit here is he can step in and start right away. So if he happens to slide to the late first round and Seattle trades back into the end of the first round and takes him, I think that could be a really good fit. He's somebody that would definitely be an upgrade over Drew Locke and over Geno Smith. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't know that it's going to be somebody. He's not going to be Russell Wilson. 
right? He's not going to have that type of impact on an offense. Definitely not right away, and I don't know that at any point in his career. Like I said, he's already 24. He's pretty far along in his development. 24 years old, he'd be just as old as a lot of the, the quarterbacks we're seeing now. He's on par with Sam Darnold and Joe Burrow and, you know, Lamar Jackson. I mean, these guys are, you know, 24, 25 years old. For him to be starting out in the NFL at that point and still needing some seasoning and kind of some development to his game to really get to the point where you feel comfortable with him being a, a, a solid starter, I think is a bit of an issue. So, uh, I'm a little more skeptical of where he lands here. I think he'll end up going earlier in the first round. I don't think he makes it past number 20 where the Steelers are selecting, but I think he probably should. I just don't think that he will. All right, let's move on to my number three quarterback here, and that's Desmond Ritter, who uh, there's been a lot of buzz about him in the last couple of weeks. Uh, people are saying he interviewed super well during the combine and during meetings and private workouts with teams. And, I mean, that obviously goes a long way with NFL teams feeling like they've got the right guy in the locker room, obviously. But I think that's only going to get you so far. Let's talk about the positives first here with Ritter because I think he is an underrated athlete. He ran the best 40 time of any quarterback at the Combine, which I think underscores just how fast he truly is. You see that speed show up on film. If he was able to get out and scramble, he's a pretty good runner. Uh, you know, he's got a decent frame. I think there's some room for him to actually add on to that as well he only weighs about 208 pounds right now so i'd love to see him bulk up a little bit in the nfl i think he's going to need to do that to really be able to survive the, some of the hits he's going to take but if he can get up to around like 220 or so i think that'd be a really good weight for him to be able to keep some of that speed but also be a little bit more sturdy i think and and make sure that he's able to uh, go out there as a runner and survive because that's what we've seen with a lot of these running quarterbacks as much as we love them all and I think they're super talented Lamar Jackson Kyler Murray both those guys have dealt with injuries the last couple of years and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have these slighter frames now the benefit for the both those guys is they're so fast that it's hard to hit them I don't know that Ritter is quite on that level he's close but maybe not quite there so I, I would like to see him do that. I think it would really help his game a lot, go a long way once he gets to the NFL and really make him a legitimate running threat where you can get him out on the perimeter, potentially run some read option, and, uh, and really have that set up a lot of the passing game if you want to run a lot of RPO and stuff like that. I think he's capable of doing it. He has worked through an NFL route tree. He's worked through an NFL offense at Cincinnati. They've done a really good job of preparing from that standpoint. He does have some pretty big struggles here. He is inaccurate across the middle of the field a lot. Uh, he definitely has some short throw inaccuracies in his game as well. So there's definitely some things from that perspective that you worry about. If you want to go the perspective of like comparing him to Josh Allen, I don't think he's quite that type of prospect, obviously. I don't have a first-round grade on him. He's my number three quarterback in this draft class, which... Based on what I just told you about Kenny Pickett, I don't think he should go in the first round. I have a, an early second round grade on him. But there is definitely some of that type of style to his game where it's just he needs to work on the consistent throwing motion a bit more. And I think it's going to go a long way for him to work in the NFL and kind of get a chance to hopefully work on some of that stuff with a dedicated quarterbacks coach at the next level. Uh, you know, not, this is not a knock on Cincinnati at all. Obviously, we've seen that school is churning out pro-level players, is able to compete with some of the top schools and programs in the country. I just wonder if maybe getting that next level of coaching will actually make a difference for Ritter. Uh, I think there's some upside. There's some untapped potential in him. And I think that's what I really like about him here is he's 
He's got kind of a lot of those intangible things like I talked about earlier with him being a leader, with him being this kind of great on-the-field presence and a veteran presence at that as well. He started a lot of games at Cincinnati. He's got a lot of experience under his belt, which is great. We have a large body of work to work with when you study his film and evaluate who he is. But he's still definitely a bit raw. He still definitely needs a little bit more development in his game. I don't think he's a day one starter. You could roll him out there, but you think he's going to struggle a little bit. Maybe get him in towards the end of the season. I think if it seemed like Atlanta grabs him at the beginning of the second round, I think that could be a really good fit for him. Uh, get a chance to spend a season playing behind Marcus Mariota, who actually plays a similar-ish style to him. More mobile quarterback, able to get outside the pocket. That's where Ritter excels is when he's on the run playmaking and stuff like that uh what we saw from him in the alabama game this year was definitely where you start to get some of those concerns because he kept having balls batted down at the line he was just missing players over the middle just not as accurate as you'd like to see so like i said it's kind of almost a little bit of boomer bust with him there's obviously upside and i think worst case scenario you get somebody who's going to be a really solid presence in the locker room could be a really good backup quarterback for years to come with starter level potential i think his potential is actually higher than that of kenny pickett's but i just i'm a little more skeptical of it actually panning out i think pickett like i said is much more pro ready so i think from that perspective you just like you feel more confident in taking a guy like pickett than i would overtaking ritter so i think ritter like i said late first round early second round would be a really sweet landing spot for him by all accounts, it sounds like he might even crack the top 20 now, though. That's what it sounds like. I don't think he should go there. I think that's a little early for him, but quarterbacks always get pushed up the board. It wouldn't shock me to see a team, you know, roll the dice on him. Maybe somebody trades up into the mid-teens and takes him, or the Steelers take him at 20. I don't know. I think a little bit is going to depend on how the board falls around with the rest of the quarterbacks, where Pickett, where Willis, and where my next guy on the list, who I think has the potential to probably go earlier, even though I don't think he should, will go. It's going to be interesting to see how this all pans out. So let's move on to my next quarterback here, and that's number four, Sam Howell, quarterback out of North Carolina. And this might come as a bit of a surprise. I have him above Matt Corral, and I'll get to why kind of when I talk about Matt Corral a little bit more here in just a few minutes. But let's start with Howell because he is somebody that I think uh, during this draft cycle, it's almost like it's, it's not quite the same thing as Kayvon Thibodeau with prospect fatigue and stuff like that. But there is a little bit of that because I think he just didn't quite match our level of expectations, right? He came into this year as a potential candidate to go number one overall after putting it together a phenomenal sophomore season. Uh, there was, I, I think I had him number two overall. I had him going after Spencer Rattler, which we all know how that turned out as well. Rattler now transferring to South Carolina after losing his job in the middle of the season at Oklahoma. So yes, obviously we were a little bit too high on Sam Howell, but now I almost wonder if we've gone the opposite way and we've almost gone too low on Sam Howell. And I think there's some underratedly good qualities about him. He's got a strong arm and he's actually pretty well built. He's a good runner. He He's got decent speed. He's able to scramble and he breaks arm tackles because he's got this pretty solid build to him. To me, honestly, he's a slightly more athletic Baker Mayfield, which I know he kind of looks like him too. And I, I see the Baker Mayfield comp quite a bit, but I think he's a better athlete than Baker, which I think will make a big difference in his game and actually probably lead to him having more NFL success than what Mayfield has even had. 
Now, there are some different, different things here that he needs to work on. He does not know how to read an NFL defense right now. You watch him on film, he just stares down his first read. He hopes that guy gets open. I've heard rumors that there really isn't a whole lot of a developed playbook right now for him even because it's just more of a run out there, try and get open, and Sam will hit you type thing. Obviously, he you know there's got to be a little bit more structure to it than that when you watch it on film, but you kind of get some of that backyard football feel to the North Carolina offense when you watch them, especially this past season. Uh, I, I do think that's a big red flag is can he actually read a defense? Uh, which you need to do at the NFL level to be successful. So that's a major concern. But I think down the line, he'll get there. And I think that's something you can teach, you can work on. And again, he's not pro-ready. He's not a day one starter. Some of the physical tools are there, right? He's actually got decent accuracy. He's a little too casual sometimes when he lets the ball go with his like release. And the footwork is a little all over the place. Sometimes he just throws a lot of off-platform stuff, but he's not quite like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes where you can just do it. Uh, you know, it, sometimes he just tries it. And it doesn't quite work out. So, you know, I, I want to see him work on some of that stuff too. But I think with the right coaching and fine tuning, there's actually an NFL quarterback here who could be successful. Once again, I think there might be a little more upside to Sam Howell than there is to Kenny Pickett. I think he's just as good an athlete and might actually have a better arm. He's a little bit smaller than Pickett, but at the same time, I, I could see Sam Howell having a solid NFL career. Again, probably somewhere in, like, if you want to, like, rank quarterbacks more in that, like, 10 to 20 range, you know, probably somewhere more in the middle of that group when you look at, like, the hierarchy of NFL quarterbacks. Do I think he's going to be an elite player? No. I think he could be a solid player of the caliber of maybe, like, a an Alex Smith or a Kirk Cousins, or somebody like that, where they can put up some pretty decent numbers, maybe they lead you to the playoffs a few times, they make a deep run, they have a great year, where you feel like, oh wow, this guy's a pro ball level player every once in a while, but not doing it on a consistent enough basis where you're talking about them being a an all-pro, or a Hall of Famer, or anything like that at the end of the career. But I do think Sam, Sal Sam Howell has a solid NFL future. I like him here to go... I think he probably goes late second round, maybe early third round as a bit of a project. I could, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go in the late stages of the first round, the way that we hear things talked about. That's the thing is I have no idea at this point with how many names are being floated out there. Whoever is in charge of these smoke screens this year is doing a fantastic job. But I think more likely is he goes early second round to a team, like I said, maybe Atlanta could possibly take a flyer on him. If I, I think a good fit for him actually would be the Tennessee Titans at the end of the second round. They've talked about wanting to find a success for Ryan Tannehill in this draft. I think Howell could be somebody that in a year or two is ready to start. So yeah, I, I wonder maybe if he's a good fit there. Uh, it, we'll see. There's obviously there's a lot of different scenarios that'll play out. It's tough to project. But I think, yeah, I think he'll probably, again, because he's a quarterback and the league overvalues him, will end up going earlier, probably early second round. I have him more as a late second round, early third round type of player, somewhere in the range of where we saw maybe like Davis Mills go last year or uh, Kyle Trask or any of those guys, kind of somewhere in that range where they go end of the second round, early third round, that type of thing. So we'll see what ends up happening, of course, with these guys once it all comes to draft day. But that's about where I would slot Sam Howell. Let's move to number five here. And this might come as a bit of a surprise. I mentioned this earlier. Matt Corral, Ole Miss quarterback. This is where I have a bit of a difference, I think, from a lot of people. I've seen him ranked 
pretty typically number three ahead of Ritter after usually Pickett and Willis. I know uh, earlier this year we had Chris Sims put him as his number one quarterback. He just loves him, but I just, I don't see it with Corral, I'll be honest. I, when I put on the tape, I see somebody who is sometimes a little bit trigger happy, a little bit too aggressive trying to fit into windows, throws behind receivers on occasion. When it's all put together, it's really good. Uh, There are some great moments on his film. Uh, and I heard from a lot of people as I kind of watched some later game, later season games of his, oh, well, you know, he was dealing with an injury, so he wasn't at full strength, and so, you know, he didn't have, he wasn't at his best, right? So I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. The problem is, is that if that's a consistent thing, because this guy does have a history of injuries, that's going to be a problem, because we've seen already him not be able to stay healthy in college. He had the ankle injury in the Sugar Bowl that ended up costing him the game there and much of the pre-draft process. He had some uh, you know, issues when it just came to staying on the field or playing nicked up and stuff like that. And the truth is, is he didn't play as well when he was nicked up because he lost a big element of his game, which is the ability to scramble. And he's not big enough to be able to sustain that type of hitting and just pounding and all of that physical punishment that you get in the NFL. He is a little bit on the shorter side. He's got a pretty slight frame. He's not, he's about the same height as Sam Howell, but Sam Howell outweighs him by a good 20 pounds. And I think that's going to be a big difference. It reminds me a little bit of my concerns when I was evaluating Zach Wilson last year, where can this guy stay healthy and is he going to be effective enough if he's nicked up? It's what we've seen with Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Once you see these guys get nicked up with those lower body injuries and stuff like that, they're just not quite as effective as a player because you can't get them out on the perimeter as much. They don't have that scramble ability as much. So that's a really big concern of mine. Now, if he can stay healthy, I think he'll be a solid NFL starter. I just don't envision a future where that's going to happen because he does have pretty good arm strength. Now, the other big knock I have on Corral is his ability to handle the blitz. He is terrible when he is under pressure. Uh, I think the numbers I saw earlier this year, I mean, the worst QBR of the top seven quarterbacks by a pretty significant margin. And now a lot of these guys have struggled with the blitz, but this is a definitely a problem for Corral. So I think, I think there is an NFL future for him if he can stay healthy. I just don't see him being able to do it because of the injury history here. That's a big red flag to me. That pushed him down my board. But if you want to look in terms of like, Who's the most pro-ready? I actually put him second behind Kenny Pickett. I think he's much more developed than Ritter. He's much more developed than Willis. And so from that perspective, is he somebody that could step in and be an NFL starter right away? Potentially. There are some drawbacks and some shortcomings to his game, no question. But I think he's the most, like second most pro-ready quarterback in this class. My issue, of course, is just the longevity. Will this guy be able to stay on the field and be a consistent performer? Because I just don't think we're going to see that. I just, I'm sorry that people telling me, oh, well, you know, the excuse of, oh, he was injured, he was nicked up. If that happens a lot in the NFL and that's the type of player we're going to see, that's not going to be good enough to be an NFL starter. Consistency is key. Being able to have one great game or four great games a year makes you a solid backup, not an NFL starting quarterback. Let's move on to number six here, and that's Carson Strong from Nevada. And this is an interesting one because go back 20 years, and Carson Strong is probably a top 10 pick. 
Uh, he's got a, a pretty good arm. He is fairly accurate as well. Uh, there, there are definitely some shortcomings to the accuracy at times. He misses on targets across the middle, and the short accuracy is not great. But he's got a decent deep ball, and he's big, right? He's the six—I have to look at the exact numbers—six four, you know, kind of like two hundred and thirty pound guy. You know, checks a lot of those physical boxes that we've seen. The problem is, is he's got zero pocket mobility. You can't have him run RPOs. You can't have him run play action effectively. You can't have him move outside the pocket. I mean, if he gets pressure on him, he's done. Like, he's not escaping an NFL pass rush. It's just not going to happen. Now, we've seen players that are still capable of succeeding at the NFL level that play like that. Matt Stafford's not very mobile. Matt Ryan's not very mobile, right? We've seen these guys be MVPs or Super Bowl champions or, or playing in Super Bowls and stuff like that. So there is the potential for that. But those guys are becoming fewer and far between. And I don't think that Strong has the level of arm that Ryan or Stafford has. And that's the issue. Is he's got a pretty good arm, an NFL caliber arm, but it's not an elite arm. And it doesn't make up for the shortcomings he has in the physical perspective there. He also has some injury history as well with his knee. So you worry about that a little bit too. This is somebody that I could see being a bit of a project guy. Kind of that maybe low-end starter spot backup starter type role in the NFL, but I just were, I don't think he's ever going to be a consistent NFL starter. And I just think there, you know, he could be the right fit for the right system, but the way the NFL is trending, I just, he's, it's just like a throwback here that just doesn't quite fit anymore. So that's where I'm concerned is that when he gets to the next level, he's just not going to be able to handle the speed of the NFL. And you, you worry about that. If you're drafting a player that you want to be your franchise quarterback for the next 8, 10, 12 years, if you have a guy that's already outdated now, what is he going to be as the game continues to evolve five years from now? So that's, I think, the biggest concern with him. So we'll see what ends up happening. I think he could be somebody that, put in the right system, could be successful, kind of be like a low-end starter, somebody, again, who's kind of of that Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson-type ilk. But I just worry about him really being uh, somebody that you could put into any offense and, and have him find success. Number seven on my board here, that's going to be Bailey Zappi, the record-setting man from Western Kentucky. He played in an air raid system there, and the NFL has this weird love-hate relationship with the air raid, right? Uh, you know, prior to Patrick Mahomes, everybody knocked it. Nobody, nobody coming out of the air raid was ever successful in the NFL. It wasn't a you know pro-style offense. Just you didn't translate. Well, then Mahomes came along. He was fantastic. Then Cliff Kingsbury, out of nowhere ended up getting hired as an NFL head coach and has done okay. You know, there's some clear docs on Cliff Kingsbury, no question about it, but the Cardinals have been a good team. They've won double-digit games every year that he's been the head coach there. So with Kyler Murray, of course, that helps. But at the same time, you know, it's there's, there's been some success in his system there. And of course, Mahomes has been one of the best young quarterbacks we've ever seen in league history. So yes, there are now, I think, some changing opinions on the air raid that being said, I don't think it's going to quite happen for Bailey Zappi that way because he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Kyler Murray. He's just, he's, he's the same build as Kyler Murray in a lot of ways, but not that explosive, unbelievable athleticism. He has a kind of below average NFL arm. He's more of a system player, I think. A lot of people I've seen have compared him to Case Keenum, where obviously Case Keenum led the Vikings to an NFC Championship game. So you never know, right? Like, you know, similar thing, where if he's put in the right system, like I was talking about with Carson Strong just a moment ago, 
yeah, maybe he could find some success in the NFL, but I don't think it's going to be sustained. I don't think it's going to be a long-term thing. And, you know, he just doesn't, ah, it doesn't, the physical tools aren't there. And I think that's the biggest concern for me. So I like him as a, you know, late, maybe fourth round, fifth round guy as to be a solid backup in the NFL. I think he's got that in him. Uh, from everything that I've read and heard about him, it sounds like he's just somebody who absorbs the playbook. He's got a great understanding of NFL offenses. And I could see him actually being a future coach based on what I've heard, which I think is a great kind of candidate to be a solid NFL backup quarterback, somebody who understands the offense well, can help, can be there, can step in and run the system well if needed, but just doesn't have all the physical traits that you want from a guy that's going to be your week-in, week-out starter. So that's where I'm at with Bailey Zappi. He's my seventh quarterback here, and I just think, like I said, solid backup in the NFL, probably worth a late fourth, fifth-round pick, something like that, where you know he can come in and, and kind of, like I said, be an addition to your quarterback room, a positive addition to that quarterback room so that's gonna do it that's my top seven quarterbacks those are my rankings let me know what you think am i wrong am i totally off on malik willis is he gonna be a bust am i sleeping on matt corral am i missing something with his game you know we'll see uh, i'm really excited to finally get to draft day and see how these quarterbacks are gonna fall and then we gotta wait right you know it's gonna be a number of years before we really know because man a year ago we all thought baker mayfield was clearly like the great choice as the number one pick led the Browns to their first playoff win in who knows how many years and they looked like the Browns were potential Super Bowl contenders in 2021 well a year later they've got Deshaun Watson Baker Mayfield is furious with the team wants to be traded and seemingly no one wants him so man I don't know you know <laughs> things change rather quickly you need a lot of time to be able to evaluate these players and to get the full picture on all of them and we probably don't even have the full picture on baker mayfield yet it's probably gonna be another year or two before we really know how to assess him and his nfl career i hope he gets another chance because i think he's earned that much i know people say oh he's got an attitude problem Man, the guy they just replaced him with in Cleveland has 22 different women accusing him of sexual assault. If Baker Mayfield's got an attitude problem, then we can move on from that if we're willing to give Deshaun Watson a pass. So I, I know that, yes, guilty and, you know, innocent until proven guilty. He hasn't, hasn't, you know, had any of this stuff come out. But my goodness, if we're willing to just overlook all of that and say, yeah, we could probably give this guy a shot and see what happens here. And we don't know. That's the truth. We don't know yet with Deshaun Watson. So... Yeah, man, I, I think it's a little bit, you know, slap in the face to Baker to just be like, oh, this guy's got an attitude problem here. But the Browns are willing to overlook any concerns with Deshaun Watson to replace Baker Mayfield. I don't know. That's my two cents on it. Getting off track here. But point is, is that it takes a long time to evaluate players in the NFL. You never quite know. And so we got to be patient with these guys. We're not going to know after year one. We don't know after year one with this quarterback class from last year. We have no idea what kind of pro career Trevor Lawrence is going to have. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance hasn't played basically at all. Matt Jones has not played much at all. We, we don't know what's going to happen with Justin Fields yet, right? We, we have more of an idea now, having watched them all play a year in the NFL, or most of them play a year. Sorry, Trey Lance, you haven't quite gotten there yet, but we don't really know yet. It's going to be several years before we truly find out. But I'm super excited still to know where all these guys are going to go because draft day is just six 
days away and I really cannot wait. So make sure you keep an eye out. I'm going to have a ton of stuff coming out this week on AftermathSports.com. I've been posting all week long. This week, I put out my top 50 big board there. I wrote an article that just went up yesterday night talking about Debo Samuel and the impact that a trade involving him could have on the NFL draft because I think he is the best wide receiver available right now, and that includes all the receiver prospects in this draft. That's how good Debo Samuel is uh, and how proven he is. Obviously, there's the opportunity cost that comes with him too because you have to give him that contract extension that he's looking for at this point. So there are obviously drawbacks to Debo, but there's tons of stuff up there on AftermathSports.com, so make sure you go check that out. Like I said, the contest is now available on there as well. You can go and figure that out. It's the NFL Draft Contest from the Aftermath. I'm super excited about this. A reminder, first prize is getting a full one-year subscription paid for to ESPN+. Plus. Some amazing content on there. Lots of great live action that you can access on ESPN+. Plus. I love it. I have it myself. It's something that I use regularly and very, very appreciative of the fact that I have. Second prize is going to be a one-month subscription uh, to the Draft Scout, Matt Miller's draft site. So you want to make sure uh, you check that one out. One of my favorites as well. Great read, always some good content on there. Some really fun perks too to be a subscriber. So hopefully you get a chance to figure that out and see if it's something maybe you want to subscribe to yourself. And third place is going to be a free one-month subscription to The Athletic. Again, great content there. Some really in-depth storytelling, some awesome stuff. Always a great read. So if you're a fan of sports media, a fan of sports journalism, definitely some really great prizes, I think at least, uh, that I hope everyone will be excited about potentially competing for and winning. So you can check out all your prop bets on there. I'll review my picks on the podcast next week, and I'll talk through, and of course, I'll announce a winner on social media. So the contest rules are going to be that you have to follow the Aftermath on Twitter in order to be eligible, and you'll also have to be a subscriber to my site on WordPress to be able to be entered into it. All you have to do is put your email in, and that way, once you, when there's a new post up, whatever I put out at the website, it'll show up in your inbox. It's great, actually. I really enjoy it. That way you never miss out on anything like that. And hey, you know what? If you don't want to see that article, you could just delete that email. It's pretty easy. It's not like I'm sending you a notification to your phone that's going to show up and blow up your phone or anything like that. It's just in your inbox, and you could obviously get rid of it if you don't want to read that article, if it doesn't interest you. But like I said, tons more stuff coming up this upcoming week on AftermathSports.com. I'm super excited about it. I'm also going to be doing a special podcast coming out Wednesday. I have an interview coming up with one of these draft prospects that I think could potentially sneak his way in to the end of day one. That's right, maybe a first-round draft prospect coming on the show. So make sure you keep an eye out from that. I don't want to give away too much yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. That'll be coming out next week before the draft, and then I'll probably maybe repost it as well once that player has been drafted and we know for sure where he's going to land. But uh, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. As always, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the Aftermath NFL Draft Podcast. That's right, draft season never ends. Find it on all your great podcast platforms, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you get your podcast at this point, it should be there. Let me know if there is a podcast source that you use that is not available on, and I will do my best to get it available there. You could also check out, like I said, The Aftermath on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, and you can follow me as well at cmaglin 84 on Twitter. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Super excited that Draft Week is just about here, just a couple more days until we're into the week of we're going to be so much chaos, so many rumors, all of that stuff, mock drafts, everything. So make sure you are dialed in and get ready for all of it. I cannot wait. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You guys will hear from me again next week.